Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. Glory to you, Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those who, for whom it has been prepared. So when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus. Amen. And we love it when babies cry in here. If, you, if the baby's not crying, then the church is dying. So we'll, we'll take that. We like that. It's God's word that makes the church after all. It's God's word that brings us together. It's why we gather here. In 1956, some folks gathered here on this spot to build a church. My mom was born that same year, just to give you some reference. Most of them had come from cities and towns in the Midwest, from North Dakota, Minnesota, Ohio, some from Pennsylvania. They were raised mostly by families of Scandinavian descent. They knew they were Lutherans, after all, and Las Vegas needed a Lutheran church place for other Lutherans to come and worship, to hear the word, to drink coffee and have potlucks. In those days, it was a social hub. People were expecting to be a part of a church, and this was the Lutheran one. Looking back, it seems like a simpler time. Maybe in many ways it was, but no doubt they disagreed on things too. It didn't stop them from coming together to worship, to serve in the community, to begin ministries that cared for people in the congregation and reached out beyond the walls of the church. They were one in mission, the church together. There must have been divisions too. Many of you can remember places where one side of the street was the Swedish Lutheran church and on the other side was the Norwegian Lutheran church and maybe even the Icelandic church or the Finnish church or the Danish church. We had problems from way back in the beginning. But just look down this road. There are Baptists and Pentecostals and Episcopalians and Catholics all on the same street. Pick your favorite flavor. Are we not all Christians? It's important to remember that. We are one body of Christ. And I get to talk with church leaders all over the place. Many of them face the same struggles that our churches do. Declining attendance, tight budgets, lack of participation, 
few children, little support, anxiety, and frustration, and fear of the future. It's God's word that makes the church. It's God's word that brings us together. We have to remember that. Our time is certainly one in which people can feel divided by politics, religion, status, race, gender, more. Where is our trust? Where is our hope for the future? Is it the government? Is it the economy? Is it our children? Last week we heard about the great King David who danced with joy as he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And after David's death, it was his son, the great and wise Solomon, who would build the temple. He was able to amass great wealth for Israel, becoming powerful by marrying wives from other nations and building alliances. Eventually, he leads the people to worship other gods, building temples to the gods of his foreign wives, and is punished by the Lord. After his death, his son Rehoboam is to take over rule from his father. The northern tribes secede over the harsh, forced labor practices put in place by Solomon and David. Jeroboam, a former servant of Solomon, comes with the people to the plea that the new king would lift the weight from the people, to be a servant king. But Rehoboam, as we saw, takes the advice of his young advisors, gathers up all the scorpions, must have had plenty, actually increases their workload, seeking to show his power through domination and intimidation. Tried to impress people with power and subjugation. He's a bully. He wants to be great, too. Jeroboam takes over the rule in the south so the people, so they don't have to go up to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Then he builds two golden calves for people to worship. That's never a good idea. No. So bad, in fact, it will be known in the future as the sin of Jeroboam. As a leader, you don't want sins being named after you. <laughs> so I'm told. The kingdom is divided. History is repeating itself. Can you see this parallel of when Moses went to Pharaoh, who forced the Jews to build the pyramids, harsh labor, bricks without straw? And in the time of the wilderness, when Aaron reacted to the people's anxiety by doing what? Building that golden calf. All the while, God was calling people to trust, to turn to the Lord for their leadership and guidance. And their anxiety got the best of them, and they were led astray. Not so far off from our existence, is it? Yeah, people still live in fear. People still live under oppressive rulers, under the power of broken systems, and need to be served to survive. Some people want those powerful leaders who can disrupt, but often only end up taking advantage of people, causing more suffering. So we turn to our own power to achieve and earn that we would be seen as successful in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of our enemies. We want to be great. The disciples were not immune to it. They wanted to know who was the greatest among them. They wanted to rule by Jesus' side in the new kingdom when he would come in his glory. But Jesus rebukes them. He's like, you guys just don't get it. Jesus' word is to be a servant. That is what makes someone great. 
Jesus was the one who taught his disciples that to be truly great is to serve others. Serve people. That's what Jesus did in his ministry. He fed people. He healed people. He taught people. He loved people. He brought those who were lonely back into community. He welcomed those who were shut out from participating in the lives of their neighbors. And he called people to servanthood. Ultimately giving up his life on the cross. That the world would be reconciled back to God. He was a servant of the whole cosmos. From King David up through the Middle Ages and into the 21st century, leaders who begin maybe with the best of intentions are corrupted by power and wealth and serve <coughs> only themselves at the expense of the most fragile in our society. The kingdom of this world is always divided by those who seek power by oppressing others. The powerful lord it over them, we hear in the gospel church in Luther's time, the Roman Catholic Church, was a world power. And they went into the communities selling forgiveness in the form of indulgences to build great temples, St. Peter's in Rome, driving fear into already anxious hearts of the people. There were already deep divisions. They existed between landowners and workers, the literate and illiterate, undereducated, powerful and powerless. People were burdened by hard labor. They didn't know how to read, therefore they couldn't read scripture for themselves. They were at the mercy of the priests. <coughs> they were anxious, afraid, and oppressed. And 15 years, 1,500 years after Jesus, Luther and the reformers, through their teaching and organizing and speaking truth to power, centered their proclamation in the grace of God anchored in the word. In the word alone. For Luther, it meant being excommunicated, threatened with death, forced into hiding, but the mission was clear. Share the gospel. Serve the neighbor. Proclaim Christ crucified and risen. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. 500 years ago. 502, I guess. The Reformation was about turning from the idols of power toward the promise of God's word. Standing firm in the power of God's grace given through the cross of Jesus. It would lead to more change and the breaking down of barriers in multiple arenas of society as well. So we look around and see these churches in our time. Not just them, but us too. Churches that have caused others to suffer abuse. That turn to idols of power and prosperity. The terrorized consciences of those who are judged unworthy of God's grace. And there are deep divisions among denominations, not to mention divisions in American culture. Based on religion, political affiliation, race, gender, status, class, age, ability, wherever you want to draw a line. What can bring us together? Or why the church great till they got to be great? The kingdom of Israel was divided. When anxiety overwhelmed the people and leaders corrupted by power and prosperity turned from God to idolatry. How can the body of Christ in our time find, possibly find common ground except by returning to the proclamation of grace and servanthood? In Jesus.
This is our calling. Our calling is to continue in repentance, to turn from systems of injustice under which we continue to operate, to turn again to God's word of forgiveness and grace through Jesus' death and resurrection. We are freed from sin and death, to serve those in need of deliverance from racism, poverty, and violence, fear, and isolation, and grief, and addiction. We are freed to serve. We're called to have faith, to trust that God is still good, still true to the promise, to make all things new, and still with us in Jesus, still calling us forward into an uncertain future. We are formed by the word, sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. We get to serve one another. So side by side for 71 years on this corner, in this community, we have grown in faith and relationships with one another. In food pantries and thrift stores, with people that look like us and others who don't, there must be something powerful that brings us together. Sharing the heart of Christ in the heart of, city, of the city is all about serving one another. The word brings us together in this place to worship, to be fed by grace and the good news of the kingdom of God, inaugurated in the cross of Christ. We are the kingdom and the servants who feed others, who welcome neighbors, who teach children. We are the broken ones who find God's grace is enough for us too. And we find a community who loves us no matter what. And we are the hungry who get fed. And the lost who get to come home. And the sick who find healing and hope in this place. Our past and present and future are all brought together in Jesus Christ. The living word of God. In faith we are what he has made us. Servants to one another. The church. The body of Christ in our time. Amen. Thank you.